that only in harmony with the realm of the Spirit can we truly experience abundantly all that we are supposed to be and do in this earthly domain. In his book, Understanding the Spiritual World, Peter Tan writes, When our desire for the things of the Spirit and of God becomes overwhelmingly high above all other desires, when our passion and love is undivided for God and God alone, there is a spiritual union that takes place in the bond of the Spirit with our spirits such that the energy of the Holy Spirit and all the might of the work of God's angels guides our lives and destiny. A mighty stream of abundant life and energy carries us throughout our daily earthly life, and we are able to accomplish things of great impact upon the spiritual world, even in our earthly bodies. This desire for the energy of the Spirit and of the angels to work mightily through our lives is not by the rejection of all things in the physical life, but rather of a recognition that only in harmony with the realm of the Spirit can we truly experience abundantly all that we are supposed to be and do in this earthly domain. Jesus said that he has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10.10. This is not just speaking about the abundance of mere materialism, but rather it speaks of the abundance of the spiritual energy and life that will propel us through our physical, earthly destinies. We need to be conscious of the spiritual while we go about with our physical lives. In that matter, the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual kingdom, is in dominion upon the physical world through our obedience to the spiritual realm. We need to learn to set our minds and affections, our passions, consciousness, and desires upon things above while we walk on the earth below, Colossians 3.2. Pursue love, peace, and joy, for anything outside of this is outside of the boundary of the kingdom of God. That's from the book Understanding the Spiritual World by Peter Tan. And as I mentioned in the last podcast, that book was really uh, helpful for me and really inspiring and encouraging and edifying and really stirred me up to understand more the realm that Jesus has opened up to me in the Spirit. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says that God has seated us with Christ in heavenly places. And in John 14, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And so Jesus has opened a way for us to enter into heavenly places. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 talks about talks about that Jesus has opened a way through the curtain, that is through his flesh, that is through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the body of Jesus, we can enter into the spiritual places, the high places in heaven that Jesus has opened up to us so that we can have access to the resources of God's government so that we can administer his dominion on the earth. Ephesians 2.18 says that through Christ we have access in one spirit to the Father. Hebrews 10.19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
And Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus has given us access to the spiritual realm, and the Holy Spirit takes what belongs to Jesus and makes it known to us so that we might know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that we have been given the mind of Christ, that the Holy Spirit informs us. It says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So by walking in the Spirit, by setting our minds on the Spirit, we get access to the realms of heaven that Christ has opened up for us. Not so that we can escape from the earth, but so that we can bring the rule of God and the goodness of God to the earth. You know, I think getting access to these places is kind of like seeing a whole new set of colors. Like, how would you describe a whole new color palette that you didn't even know existed? What if you were translated in the Spirit into heavenly places and you just saw a whole new color scheme that you had never seen before? How do you describe something like that to anyone who hasn't seen it? It would be like describing color to a blind person. The Spirit gives us access to this whole new realm of wisdom, of God's goodness, of God's provision, of God's resources. And it may be inexplicable in earthly terms. When Jesus was walking on the earth, he did things that were inexplicable in earthly terms. When he multiplied fishes and loaves, when he turned water to wine, when he walked on water, when he calmed the storm, when he exercised his dominion over the physical world, those things were simply inexplicable. And Jesus did those things as one who had emptied himself as one who had taken the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, Philippians chapter 2 says. That's why Jesus in John chapter 5 says, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. The divine power that was flowing through Jesus Christ was flowing through him as a perfect man walking in perfect fellowship with his Father. Jesus was still God. He was still divine when his disciples worshiped him. He received their worship. He didn't tell them, hey guys, you shouldn't be worshiping me. No, Jesus was divine, but he was walking on the earth as one who had emptied himself and he was dependent upon the Father to work the miracles that he was working. And that is the life that we're called to live in the Spirit. And so what Peter Tan was describing in the quote that I read at the beginning is what Paul describes at the end of Colossians chapter 1 when he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So there's this coming together of the willing heart and the power of God at work, God's grace, and where we're receiving the grace of God to accomplish the purposes of God. We're taking the resources of heaven to do God's will for God's glory. Listen to this. This is from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. 
the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So we have arrived. It doesn't say that this is where you're going to end up someday. It says that you have come here. And like I said, Ephesians uh, chapter 2 says that we have already been seated in heavenly places. We have access now. And to me, the the main thing is not about having uh, lots of visions or trances or, or supernatural experiences where we can go on in great detail about what we've seen in the spirit. The important thing, the key thing, is to accept these realities and to begin to discern how God wants me to manifest the fullness of what my inheritance is in Christ Jesus. It would just be such a bummer. It, and, and when I think about it now, I know that I am already, I know that right now I'm missing out on things that Christ wants me to walk in. And even as I share this, I'm getting stirred up to walk in the fullness of what Christ has purchased for me, the fullness of the authority, of the access, of the giftings, of the the grace and the power and the wisdom and the love and the joy and the gentleness and the kindness that Jesus has made available to me. I want to experience and walk in the fullness of everything that Christ died so that I could have access to. And it would be so tragic to go through life just thinking, you know, the, the goal is to get into heaven and to be in heaven when I die, when Christ has already opened up the way, and the goal is to be in communion with God right now and to administrate his resources onto the earth out of heavenly places. So the goal is not to uh, go on in detail about visions puffed up in our sensuous minds about what we imagine these heavenly places to be like. Um, I think our imaginations are useful to engage these heavenly places, but the goal is to accept that this is a reality, regardless of whether or not I'm able to perceive it in my physical senses or in my imagination or not. It is still true that I am seated in heavenly places and that I have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God and that I have come to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, all the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And so there are treasures in the cloud of witnesses that are available to us. And my experience in this is very limited, but I have had some experience. And I know that it makes some people nervous because they know in the Old Testament that God forbade trying to have any contact with the dead. But those saints that are the cloud of witnesses, the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, the spirits of the righteous made perfect, they are not dead. And that might be a new wrinkle in some of our brains. But just like Jesus said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The saints who have left their bodies, who have fallen asleep, as Paul said, are not dead. They are assembled in heaven, and God has given us access 
to the same places where they are. And again, I know that this is going to bother some people and, it's, and it may be controversial, but it, it really shouldn't be. Jesus interacts with Moses and Elijah. Jesus was not breaking God's rules about having communion with the dead because Moses and Elijah were not dead. They were living. That's what Jesus said to the uh, Sadducees about uh, Abraham and Isaac, that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And likewise, our Protestant traditions make us nervous about interaction with angels because we don't want to worship angels as Colossians warns us about. But having interaction with angels is not worshiping them. And Jesus also had interaction with angels. The New Testament believers we see in Acts have interaction with angels. And so these are resources that we have to open ourselves up to to walk in the fullness of what God is inviting us into. And I know I, I know this is going to bother some people, but I just want to push a little bit and say, uh, you signed up for this. When you signed up to believe in a man who was born of a virgin and rose from the dead, uh, you signed up for a supernatural life. And this is part and parcel of what God has made available to us as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so if you are stuck in the mud, if you are stuck in your earthly circumstances, if you're not walking in the fullness of the joy and peace that you know should be yours as a Christian, I would say you need to tap into the resources of the kingdom of heaven. And those resources are accessed in the Spirit that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have communion with God, you can have communion with Jesus Christ, and you can have access to heavenly places. You can have access to treasures in heaven. Not just when you die and your spirit leaves your body and goes to be with the Lord, but uh, right now that your spirit is united with the spirit of Jesus. And God's will for you is to grow up into a mature son who looks like the spitting image of his son, Jesus Christ, who walked on the earth accessing heavenly resources, walking in divine power, walking in divine joy, walking in divine kindness, in divine love for every single person that he encountered. And that is God's will for you. Here's another quote from Peter Tan's The Spiritual World. On page 21, he writes, One continues to grow and progress, even in the perfection of the spiritual world. Progression is through love and service to others. Self-interest is a hindrance to spiritual progress. This applies to both self-centeredness and self-seeking, self-preservation, and even spiritual self-seeking. There is such a thing as spiritual selfishness, where one seeks only to progress oneself spiritually. Sadly, this in itself hinders growth. True growth comes by being godlike with a pure love and benevolence toward others. In the spiritual world, spirits progress by helping others. Unconscious of one's own spirituality or glory, the motivation of love and care toward others transforms a spirit internally into a greater and higher glorious state. He who seeks his life will lose it, but he who loses his life will find it. Luke 17.33 There is no place for self-centeredness in the spiritual world. It is the source of sin, iniquity, and darkness. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God is transforming us from one level of glory to another, into the fullness, into the maturity, into the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. And as we hear about these things, as I hear about these things, even now I'm just stirred up to want to press in into the fullness of what uh, Jesus has purchased for me and to go out and to serve other people and to help them attain to the fullness of what God's destiny is for them as well. Pastor Peter Tan writes on page 11, every human is born with the potential for goodness and greatness, John 1, 9. Whether one is well-known or unknown, of great visible influence or of little visible influence, everyone is powerful in contributing to the forces that affect the entire human race. I love that. And I think we see that truth in the Bible where James uh, forbids favoritism and where Galatians, where Paul is talking about when he met with the apostles and those who seemed to be pillars in the church. And he says, but I don't really care who they were. Whatever. God doesn't show any favoritism. Everyone's the same before God. And I think that's a beautiful reminder that Christ died for each of us and the blood of the Son of God was spilt for each individual And that is what gives us value, that we bear the image of our maker is what gives us value. And it's nothing in ourselves that uh, is some kind of icing on top that somehow uh, sprinkles uh, on top of the cupcake that make us more valuable to God than what he has already imputed to us. So again, I, I recommend checking out that book, The Spiritual World by Peter Tan, a really inspiring, really encouraging, really edifying book. Uh, I think you can find it as a PDF online, but if you can't, send me an email at d6 at createworship.org and I'll share with you mine uh, because I don't think it's for sale anywhere. I think uh, Pastor Peter just made it available. Uh, but again, test everything and uh, test everything by the Bible and hold on to the good and don't receive anything that doesn't conform with the scriptures. But I hope we're all encouraged to explore, to find out, to pursue what is the fullness of our inheritance in Christ and what God wants to accomplish, what our destiny is, what's written about us in the books of heaven, the good works that God has prepared beforehand for us to accomplish for his glory and that we might have a reward in his kingdom. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you.